Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. All right, good morning, everyone, and thank you for being with us today. We have a very large show, so let's get started. At this hour, have you ever felt like your life was in a total mess? Have you ever looked in the mirror and wondered, what has happened to my body? Where did it go? We are all very busy professionals, and it is easy to get off track. Sometimes it feels almost impossible to get back on. Reset is in order, and we will discuss this now with the book author today, Jackie Phillips, who is here also at this hour. Entering the new the world of New York City co-ops means facing all sorts of challenges, including lying bare your entire financial situation and surviving the much-feared co-op board interview. And then there are the rules. Every co-op has its own set of policies that spell out the code of conduct for topics such as moving furniture, guest noise, and much, much more. We will discuss all of that this morning. But first, you are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate, and I am your host, Vince Rocco. In the news this morning, Brookfield Property Partners is planning on conducting something of a retail experiment with the portfolio of properties on Bleecker Street that it bought from New York REIT for $31.5 million. The global investor plans to create an incubator for merging online brands or new retail concepts to get a feel for the market and try out their brick-and-mortar strategies. The Wall Street Journal reported this last week. Brookfield is also reaching out to other owners on the shopping strip to come up with a plan for reinvigorating the street. That includes plans to bring cultural events and art installations to its properties through its arts Brookfield Division. New York REIT spent nearly $45 million acquiring those properties back in 2010 through 2012. It's an attractive area because of foot traffic and interest among tourists, but sales never justified the rents asked. That peaked at about 500 to 600 a square foot. Rents are now between 300 and 600 a foot, and many retail owners in Greenwich Village bought at the top of the market and have been holding out for high rents. This is a very costly endeavor indeed. Uh, facade installation is coming to an end for Waterline water Square, a five-acre project overlooking the Hudson River. The three towers are being constructed simultaneously that residents will have the benefit of moving into a finished mini-neighborhood within the Upper West Side. Once complete, a lush public space will unite the re- uh, residential buildings and retail center containing several eateries. GID Development Group is responsible for the venture. The Rockwell Group is responsible for designing over 100,000 square feet of amenity space to be shared by all residents. Tenants there will have access to an indoor tennis court, a 30-foot climbing wall, indoor half-pipe skate park. Uh, I mean, okay, whatever. You obviously don't have a 12-year-old. I don't. (laughs) Vince, get an extreme. (laughs) Really. Basketball court, indoor soccer field, fitness center, three-lane lap pool, and a sauna. There will also be a bowling alley, games lounge, screening room, studios for gardening, arts, music, recording, video, and photography studios, green spaces all over the place, indoor pet play rooms, and children's playrooms. Each building will have its own open decks connected to the lounges. That development started in 2015, and completion is expected by early 2019. And get ready for an onslaught of pizza selfies this fall. Pizza is the latest food getting the New York Niche Museum. That is a social media-fueled funhouse treatment. Youth media company Nameless Network, which makes online videos, is launching the Museum of Pizza this October from the 13th to the 28th. And tickets are already uh, available for pre-sale. For $35, pizza lovers can go on an experimental pizza adventure, which likely amounts to just posing for a bunch of photos to post 
on Instagram. Instagram, there will be a pizza-inspired immersive room, a cheesecake cave, a pizza art gallery, and a pizza beach. Uh, Okay, I mean, there's something for everybody. The official website doesn't offer a lot of insight into what any of that actually means, but it does describe it all as marvelously grammable. The photos already up on the site and Instagram are bizarrely sexual. Okay, well, that's something that maybe uh, we need to check out (laughs) down the road. Who knows? Anyway, we're going to say hello to Jackie Phillips. She is an American TV and radio host, celebrity makeup artist, executive producer, creator, public speaker, published author, and entrepreneur. Her new radio show, Reset, with her co-host Carl Romain, is on Power 91.1 WTYJ. Her book, Reset, debuted last October. Jackie's mission in life is to inspire others to aspire to be their best selves. She encourages others to break the shackles off their lives in order to walk in truth and embrace their unique divine purpose. I just love that. As an inspirational speaker, Jackie encourages and inspires people to reset their lives and dare to dream. No dream is too big because it's your opportunity to reach for your dreams and take what is meant for you. Also, as a beauty expert, she uh, speaks and teaches others by incorporating the quick and easy how-tos by endorsing brands such as CoverGirl and Inglot, Inglot Cosmetics. Jackie has a children's book series, The Adventures of Stushy and Bello. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Her desire is to teach love and kindness to all. She does this by touring the country, visiting different schools, and reading to children. She is the host of the TV show Joy in Our Town on TBN, the uh, Trinity Broadcast Network, which includes news, community events, and public issues programming in studio from New York City uh, from a New York City location. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Vince. I love you. I love you too, and I am so glad. <laughs> what a way you are to start here. the show. <laughs> You know, we do, well, I have to set this up. We met about a year ago, maybe just a little more than a year ago. Yes. We were doing some TV kind of stuff for one of the new developments that I'm I'm working on. And uh, it was like instant bonding, instant coolness, instant friendship, great yes. on-camera presence, right? Yes. And, and, you know, you can talk to Jackie about anything, and it's just so much fun. So really welcome, and, and thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. I want to talk about Reset. It's a book that debuted last year, and it's, it really kind of tackles six categories, right? So it's health and fitness, relationships, finances, emotions, appearance and faith. I mean, that's a that's a handful, right, of, of, of life, if, if you want to take it there. She inspires us that it's never too early or too late to reset. So I want to ask you, take us through your journey um, from, you know, the beginnings of wherever to what really kind of was the impetus for you to sit down at one point and think about, okay, I need to change, I need to reset, and how do I do that, and how did you do that? So I was living a really great life and especially like I you know I'm a celebrity makeup artist so I was touring the world with different you know artists I was doing tons of shows I'd open spas and on the outside everything looked really amazing you know and then some pressure started syndrome it was it wasn't in the beginning but then it became and it it happened pretty quickly Um, I had moved one spot to another location And I'm kind of speeding it up because I know we don't have, you know, a long time to read a whole book. Taking your lead. Um, No. So anyway, when we moved to the second location, within like eight months, our partners went bankrupt and we were going to be franchising. So all of a sudden that, you know, business that I had that was supporting the business and my healthy lifestyle went kaput. And I was in a relationship at that time, a really long-term relationship. We were together almost 11 years. And that was 
on its way out to. And through those years, because of all the financial pressure, I had started gaining a lot of spiritual weight. And I consider spiritual weight like all those things that are like weighing on us that every day you're emotionally, emotionally like you feel like you have a piano on your chest. And that turned into physical weight for me. And by the time everything happened and we closed that last spa, I was still, thank God, I never got out of doing television. Um, I had gained over 40 pounds. And I had never been heavy in my life. You know, I'd always been in shape. And, and I was in a moment where I just thought, like, how am I going to get out of this? You know, it's embarrassing when you have employees and, you know, I lived in a co-op. You know, we owned an apartment. I still own it. Um, how am I going to get out of this? And so I made some serious decisions. And one day, it was like my first day off I'd probably had in like three years, like a weekend. And I was laying in bed and I heard this lion roar inside of me. And I realized in that moment, it sounds so cliche, but it's really what happened. It kind of woke me up. And I realized that that was like my soul and my spirit screaming, like, get it together. And I knew if I would get my body back. And it didn't mean like that 20-year-old girl. Like I wasn't like that excited about it at that moment, but I needed to just like get it together. I was a mess. And I knew if I got my body back and got that weight falling off, which was like that emotional weight, then I would get my head on straight again. And then I could make some decisions. So I tackled physical first. And then I moved into relationships. And then I went through the other six resets because really everything, the reason I chose six essential resets is because I really fixed all of them and I really was a mess in every category. So how does one, <clears throat> in listening to this conversation this morning, how does one, I guess, prioritize what what those resets should start out with? I mean, you started out with the physical and then you went into the emotional and the relationship, et cetera. But how does one kind of figure out waking up in the morning? And I think this happens to most people in mm-hmm. life throughout their life for whatever reason, some severe, some not so severe. How does one decide where to begin? I think that's what a lot of, even, even simply sometimes people saying, I need to go on a diet, I need to lose five pounds, 10 mm-hmm. pounds, whatever. But it's always that that you know thrust over the 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 threshold that's difficult. How do you do that, and how do you pick the one figuring every in, in, for one person everything is a mess? So where do you where do you start? I mean, what is the first one? Well, you really need to sit and think about it, but you need to figure out what is the one one in your life. Say you have multiple, like I did. What's the one that you can be accountable for that's going to make the biggest change that's going to allow you the freedom to do the other ones? To feel better about To feel yourself. better. So for me, it was the health. You know, it wasn't really about the weight. It was about the health. Like, I just wanted to die. Like, I thought, like, maybe if I could just sleep for six months, I wake up, like, this will be, like, all over, you know, and it'll be, like, a bad dream. But that wasn't the case. So it's like, what can you, what can, what's the one you can do that's going to make you feel better that that can that you can be accountable for, because if you're not successful at it, then you're never going to do the other ones. So you need to see some movement. So like the five pounds, ten pounds, and one thing I talk about and I talk about it in my book reset is that, you know, you're you can't say I'm going to run a marathon, you know, in a week. Like you need to start by walking. Maybe like walk two times around a track. It's a slow build. So you need to do something that you're going to be able to have the energy to like put into it and not give up before you get going. Even though you have the six 
um, resets, do you feel like there's one main factor that kind of attributes to all of them? Because I, I feel like when people out there watch TV shows and watch talk shows and they talk about people, you know, going from the bottom and building themselves back up, they always say that there's one factor that kind of, you know, um, started all of these downfalls. Do you, do you feel similarly? Yes. Mine was lack of self-love. I, I, um, I just would hear those warning signs in, in my soul. Like, you know, when you get that like bad feeling and you know you shouldn't do something, but you are hopeful and I'm an optimistic person, so I would do it anyway. And, you know, for me, like the finance thing was a nightmare because my dad always owned a restaurant and bar my whole life. He bought my car in cash. In college, I bought my furniture in cash. Like, I was very old school mentality. So to have debt and then to have to clean bankrupt see debt for my business, never personal, but any, I mean, it was so horrifying. And like, I was like, who is this girl? Like, this isn't me. And it's easy to get there. But All I, right, let, let, let's hold the thought for a minute. We have to take a break. There's so much more to pick up on after the break. We're listening to, you're listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back with Jackie Phillips, the author of Reset. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their product. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back with Jackie Phillips, the author of the book Reset. I'm actually holding the book here and wishing there was a camera that you can kind of see it because I'm pointing to to the book, and here come all the, the selfies. Uh, so anyway, Jackie, you say you will learn uh, that forgiveness equals freedom. 
and how to love the problem away, but not until you first lose spiritual weight and learn to fly. You mentioned spiritual weight before. Mm -hmm. I never really thought about it that way. So sort of the weight of the world on your soul, and it kind of interferes with whatever your day-to-day is. Uh, You learn to fly. First, love yourself. Talk about that a little bit, because I think that's where most people fall down. Yes. So I think, especially my generation, I'm aging myself, um, you know, I have an Italian mother. She's she's 12, guys. (laughs) Okay, she's 12. Right. Yeah, so I have an Italian mother. Like I said, we owned a restaurant. Like, you just do, do, do for others, so you're not really thinking about yourself. And I, I think it's being a woman, too. We're just natural caretakers, so we take care of others before we take care of ourselves, and it can get very tricky because then when you're in a relationship and if it's unhealthy and dysfunctional, there's severe codependence going on, you forget about yourself. So then you don't listen to those warning signs. You don't do anything about it. You stay there way too long because you feel like it'll change. And it doesn't change. You know, people show you who they are. You need to believe them. Like Maya Angelou says. My I also favorite. think our society teaches us to fear selfishness, mm-hmm. like to, to stray away from it. So I think... Um, especially in New York, obviously you travel a lot, but mm-hmm. so New York's not your base. But I think that, you know, in New York, people are the opposite. You know, people are very selfish, but it's not always a bad thing. And people don't get that. I agree with you. I agree with I think you. There's a balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, so like the one acronym I use was fly first, love yourself. And then I always say, then you can bloom because then you'll learn to believe love of ourself matters. So that's what bloom stands for. So if you believe it, and then you matter, and then all the things flow. Because when you're blocked and you're, you know, you're living dysfunction and you need to reset, creativity can't flow through you. So you're not living your unique divine purpose. And you're here to help others and you're here to like have an amazing life and be happy. But if you have all this stuff going on, you're never going to do that because you're going to just be on a hamster wheel. Like I was on hamster wheel for years and years and years and years. And now I do all this stuff that I never even dreamed of. I can see where, sorry, Vince. No, go ahead. I can see where um, the physical part of it would be the first place you start because it's, you can actually. And see it. You can, you can you see, can see it. the transformation. It's tangible, yeah. And once you have control over that and then you start looking in the mirror, you start feeling better about yourself, you start being able to walk with power back, mm-hmm. you know, walk without heavy breathing and take your power back, like yeah. we said, and um, and then everything else. It's kind of like, all right, this is if this is attainable, then those other things are attainable too, and you have that control. And people treat you different, yeah. you know, when but you treat yourself different. Yeah. You put yourself out to the world very differently when you feel. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen to that. Well, yeah. Go back to what your parents used to say, right? When when they're you know we're growing up and we are you know being children and and sometimes being naughty. What do your parents always? Mine always used to say, just treat people the way you want to be treated back, right? And that's yes. a lesson you learn from a very young child. At least I did. So. I, said, I said that this morning. Every day. Yeah. Well, it, it, <laughs> my but, son. but it's true. But in this others. particular reset situation, I, I agree with that. Let me ask you something though, Jackie. But so so most people who would embark upon a, a reset of their lives, and I would say it's probably more than ninety percent of people in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. No medication, no therapy, mm-hmm. none of that stuff. No, I did all, therapy. You did therapy. I did. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I think you need to, like, sometimes it's all just about, like, hearing you say it out loud, and you're just like, oh, my yeah. God. It helps you own it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I started yeah. therapy at a very young age, like, with my priest. Like, I would be like, 
I need to talk about something. And, and I remember it was, <laughs> and he'd be like, what? And, uh, you know, it would be like the stupidest stuff. Cause my parents wouldn't send me to therapy. Cause I'd be like, I think I need therapy. Like when they got divorced, they're like, you don't need therapy. You're fine. And then when I was going through this, I was like, I probably should get some therapy because I don't want to repeat these mistakes again. So I'm sure my priest is probably happy. I'm leaving him alone. <laughs> 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 is he still around? He's like, I don't have all this time. Um, yeah, yeah. One of them is. One of them is. <laughs> the other one quit. After the other one, too much. he ran around. He's, he's, like, he's, he's, in, he's, he's in therapy. <laughs> he's now he's a rabbi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I wouldn't be surprised. So how does Reset help with, you know. He repents uh, once a year. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, there's not enough Hellberries for you. Get out of here. <laughs> how does resetting your, your purpose, you know, really mm-hmm help you with your faith? I mean, some people are, you know, have a lot of faith. Some people don't. Some people are religious. Some people are not. So does this take you to a place where maybe you've never been before from a faith perspective? Or does it just enhance what you may have already had, just like other elements of the six uh, categories? How does faith fall into this? And what did it do for you? For me, I mean, I was just going to say it's going to be different for everyone, of course. You know, we all have different beliefs and belief systems. But for me, um, I always had faith but I never had a relationship with God. So I have a very different relationship with God now, and I, and I sought that. You know, I have friends who, you know, I do Bible study with, and, like, I just learn differently, and it just brought me closer to God. And I realized that it got me closer to myself, too, to see, like, what I'm here to do and what I'm supposed to do and what gifts I have and to embrace them. Because I think a lot of times— we all have all this stuff in us and we're afraid to try. And then sometimes you do try and then people put you down. So I remember when I, so because of my reset is how I wrote my children's books. I started getting all these ideas while I was writing reset. And I realized it was because I didn't have these blocks in me anymore. And I had some people like say like, you're crazy. What do you know about children? Like you don't have children you're not a teacher, you know, this is like stupid. You're just like going on a rabbit trail. And I was like, you know what, if this is coming through me, I should see where it goes. And like my books are in Barnes and Noble, they're on Amazon. You were once a child. And I was a child. And I mean, maybe, you know, I always say like first grade and kindergarten are my people. So maybe I'm just super immature. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's I, think, I think also it's an attitude. You know, yeah. I think that if you go through <clears throat> life feeling that you have something to give and leave every person, you know, my mother used to say, you know, even the garbage man, if you, if you, if he's picking it up and picking up the garbage, you take a minute to just give a smile and say, have a great day. Mm-hmm. And you have something to learn from somebody, then you never stop living because you're always learning. And that's just coming from a spirit of gratitude also. Which Amen. is like yeah. the most powerful thing, love and gratitude. Talk about for a minute, you know, for people out there who may not be aware of what they are going through. They may feel bad. They may feel depressed. They may feel like they're not reaching their goals, whatever it is. But talk about if you can, you know, how do you know when you're paralyzed, as you say in the book, paralyzed by pain? We, 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 we see and feel a lot of different things in our daily life. But how do you know when you're really paralyzed by this pain or by this something not being right before you can even start fixing it you got to understand what it is correct because most times if you're paralyzed pain by pain you're operating under some sort of anesthesia 
So are you eating too much? Are you drinking too much? Are you sleeping are, too much? Yeah. Are you sleeping too much? Are you, you over medicated? Are you over medicated? Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you working too much? Working too much. Do you have, you know, just the same relationships constantly revolving? Negative coping mechanisms. Yes. And I, I feel like that paralyzes you. And you know you're paralyzed. You just have to admit it and be accountable for some change in your life. That's probably the hardest thing to do is to admit it because mm-hmm. once you admit it, you can't ignore it. And saying it out loud is so important to someone. Well, it's like any addict. They say, until you own it, until mm-hmm. you admit it to yourself and say it out loud, mm-hmm. you're really not going to be able to fix the problem because you really, you know, you don't really own that yet. But once you do, then you're on the next steps. We have a couple of minutes left, Jackie. Talk about the six tips that you you want to get across from the book here. Six, you know, basic tips that people can get from this or how you can pretty much tell, you know, where we are or what we're doing with ourselves. I mean, Six tips. Well, first of all, it would be accountability. Um, you always want to be accountable. I mean, right. that's the biggest thing. But the first thing, actually, I take that back, is you want to admit that you need a reset. The second thing is right. you want to look at your life at this, you know, I have the six categories but you want to look and see, like, what's the one that I should tackle first? The third is make an action plan. You know, and, you know, journaling is so helpful. It's so helpful. And writing it out, because that takes the power away, too. And you can, like, look at it and be like, hmm. When you write something down, it means something, right? It yes. also lives somewhere. Yeah, it lives, lives somewhere. somewhere. That's right. I agree. It's and not in your head. Yeah, no. it's not in your head anymore. It's real. Then I would suggest finding help. You know, if you can't afford a therapist or you don't have a really patient priest or pastor or friends like I do, then you could, you know, go on YouTube. Um, there's so many ways to learn and to better yourselves by books. You know, get some knowledge. Podcast. Podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, get some knowledge and, and just this way you can grow and figure out, you know, how to tackle these things. How much can you depend on friends as you're going through this or that you're starting this, this journey? I think you just said that because I, I depend on my friends pretty much for everything. <laughs> I think we all do. But in this particular case, though, yeah. can we really depend on friends? It depends on how healthy your choices are. Exactly. Yeah. How healthy your friendship It does. And I, I think that… Or family, by the way. Family yeah. You're going to break up with a lot of your friends and your reset. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's what I was wanting yeah. to hear. I broke up with a lot of friends. Mm. Or just, I didn't even have to, because when you get healthy and when you're happy, people start falling off because they don't want to be around you. Some people or like you better. attracted to you. They're yeah. not attracted to you, yeah. Or attracted to you. Because yeah. In that you attract new news. people. So yeah. It's, yeah. Well, you attract new people. Yeah. And that's, you know, yeah. that, that's kind of where we're going with the whole, you know, conversation is, you know, when you reset your life and you reset everything around you by default, some people may fall off. You know, mm-hmm. just like if you get divorced or a spouse or, or a significant other passes away, you know, life tends to change. Yeah. Right? And if it happens organically and purposefully, my experience is that those falling away is lovingly. It doesn't need mm-hmm. to be an right. no. it doesn't it can be with forgiveness. It can be moving through and for because we learn through and with people. Yeah, All right, we have to, to leave it there. We're talking mm-hmm. to Jackie Smith 
the author of Reset. We are live from Blast Off Productions here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York. Jackie Phillips. Jackie, Jackie Phillips. Phillips. What did I say? <laughs> Jacqueline yeah. Smith. Jackie Smith. Well, you are Jackie Smith to me. Jacqueline <laughs> Phillips. We will be right back after these messages. Don't go away. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back. And thank you once again to Jackie Phillips, the book author of Reset. And um, Reset, as she says, is always worth it. So consider it, think about it, and uh, enjoy the rest of your wonderful spiritual life. Anyway, we are here to continue the program with our panel, Louise Phillips-Forbes from Halstead Real Estate, Matthew Cohen from CORE, Anna Shagaloff from Halstead Real Estate, Niall Lundgren from Compass, Noah Kaplan from Nest Seekers International, Jordan Shea from Douglas Elliman, and I'm happy to report Sean McPeak, who is now with Halstead Woo-hoo! Real Estate. Wow. Congratulations, that took, up, that took up the second half hour. Wow. <laughs> That's it. Let's talk about me now. <laughs> it's all Yay. about It's Sean. about time, dude. That was a long dating process. You had your time, Jackie. It's my time. <laughs> you had a long dating process. Sean reset. And I kept my mouth shut reset. the whole time. See, that's that's Sean's reset, okay? Yeah. He's joining Halstead. It's all good. Beloved. And we welcome you. Welcome, 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 welcome. Sean will be working out of the 499 Park Avenue office on the Upper East Side. So really, seriously, heartfelt congratulations. Thanks, Vince. All right, I got so, you back, buddy. Yeah. Entering, oh, that's yeah. right. Louise is in that office. Entering the new world of co-ops, not the new <laughs> world, back but the world of co-ops means facing all sorts of challenges, including lying bare your entire financial situation and surviving the much-feared co-op board interview. Well, we all know what that's about. And then there are the rules once you close, once you move in. Every co-op has its own set of policies that spell out the code of conduct uh, for topics such as moving furniture within your apartment, guests, noise, who can stay over, who cannot, much, much more. So what I wanted to talk about a little bit this morning is what, you know, what are those rules? And for people who are not familiar with New York City apartment purchases, 
most especially co-ops, what do we have to look for when we eventually get to reading the house rules? Because I would bet 99.9% of buyers, when they're going through the process of buying a co-op, don't really pay attention to anything but that horrible board package and listening to their brokers. But I don't think they're really reading the house rules. And then when they do, sometimes they say, oops, I can't do this or I can't do that. I think that what what I try to... In, in coaching in the process of helping someone find their, their perfect home, I think those house rules become something that is the attitude and the philosophy of the building, which, by the way, is not always the masses. It sometimes falls in the hands of people who have not, not too much power in the rest of their life, and they want to inflict that to them. That being said, you know, I had a buyer who decided not to proceed on an apartment because they mandated that housekeepers go in the service elevator. Yeah. And, and That's terrible. She, she just was like, this person's family. Yeah. And so I think that it gives people insight to subtlety. And I think these many of these rules are, are born through bad experiences. So some of them are justified. And then you take what you need and leave the rest. Yeah, I mean, I've had similar situations where, you know, pets have to go through a service elevator versus a passenger elevator. You know, I can understand that. I can't understand, can understand that. I'm a pet well, owner, I mean, but, and, you know, I, I can see both sides of that. In my building, we had an experience where, where a German shepherd lunged at a child. So they made a decision on how to manage that. Well, before before I was a pet owner and before Jet came into my life, so we're talking about a long time ago because she's 16, mm-hmm. um, I was living in a very nice co-op on the Upper East Side of Manhattan um, and it was a, a fancy enough building, but, you know, I was younger and, and running around the world and in corporate America, and every morning I would get into the elevator, and for whatever reason, my one of the neighbors in the building would come on with this big dog. I don't even remember what kind of dog it was, but this dog would forever lick my shoes. And I'd be like, <laughs> I just had the... <laughs> Shoes. What? It's a free clean. shoe shine. Yeah, I was about to say I'm the same thing, man. No, 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 because the dog was <laughs> licking the polish off my shoes. I'd be like, get that dog off my That's shoes. Tasty. But this is like three times a week, maybe four times How a week. How does the owner allow that to... Because she wasn't paying pretty, attention. I'm pretty sure saliva's worse big. than rain. Right. Yeah, well, saliva is worse than rain. So, thank, thank now, you, thank you, Mister Precipitation okay. Expert. <laughs> all these years later, my point is, all these years later, I have a dog. So when I get in the elevator, I'm more <laughs> conscious of what my because my dog would probably want to do the same thing, and it's like, no, you can't do that. So you know, just think, pay attention. I think that the the fact that there are house rules is kind of a blessing because yes. then you get to know <clears throat> that you're going you're buying into a culture of people that believe it's the same thing that you do. This respect, and you don't <clears throat> want to be in a building that doesn't allow human beings in a particular elevator. That's insane. So great to know it beforehand that well, you're that, not stuck. Afterwards. Yeah. Another one is that, you know, a lot of buildings, not all, but a lot of buildings are trying to institute no phone conversations in the lobby. Do we agree with that one or do we not agree with that one? Because that's... Well, no one's having phone often? conversations anyway. Everyone's texting. I mean, if you have Who's having phone conversations? But I think sometimes, guys, those policies are in place for those one out of a million individuals that choose to have a conference call in their lobby because their kids are upstairs or whatever. There's there's an appropriate boundary. So if the ro- rule is there, then it can precautions can be taken. And that's I what can, I, I can go ahead. I was going to say that's what I see too with uh, the 80% carpet in, in a lot of oh, I've yeah. done a bunch of co-op deals where 80% of the the floor has to be covered in carpet. 
it doesn't. It's not necessarily enforced. No one's walking into your apartment That's and saying, true. "But it's, it's there not to fall back." But, but unless you yeah, complain. Yeah. But unless yeah. the person below you is like, "Hey, there's someone with heels walking around at wears three a.m." You need a hundred percent carpeting. Then that's how you right. can cover that by saying, right. "Hey, it's in the house rules." Right. So that's well, what I mean. Louis last night saying. I came home and I was on a on a. I got jumped out of a cab and I was continuing a, a very important client conversation. So I walked into my lobby and I sat in the lobby and I finished the conversation. You're that guy. Well, the doorman kept looking at me and looking at me and looking at me. Now we don't have a rule in my building, but I kind of felt like I should really get off this phone, right? But I can't. It's important. Sometimes I'll step back outside, right? You know, but I just didn't feel like doing that. I sat down, I had bags in my hand, whatever. So that's a crazy one. But here, others restrict the length of time you can speak to building staff. I found that one really odd. So you live in a co-op building and your time talking to the doorman or any... That that makes perfect sense. That makes makes perfect sense. That's going to be like the old timer that's... Yeah, the individual who doesn't have anyone else to to speak with and like their life is basically passing through that lobby. Of course, they're going to... Or shut It's the doorman that asks for that role. Exactly. (laughs) But it's interesting to me because I think that like all of this sounds like legislating courteousness. Just like courteous behavior on the behalf of like one person like you know it it's not required to make a co-op rule for the one dog that licks your shoes or for the loud talker in the lobby it is a bit preposterous like base rules i see but then why can't we just communicate live and let live exactly because not everyone has the same philosophies that we do and you, you'd sure. like to you'd like to hope that everyone can be rational and reasonable people but this is New York City, well, and there I, are. I firmly believe that there that are are, there's no bad dogs. There's only bad owners. That's right. Uh, That's right. All dogs go to heaven. All right. dogs go to heaven too. I, I have a, a question for everybody because this is something going on right now, Vince, that you're aware of. When when you know, I have an individual who is living in a brand new apartment and so excited to be there, and their next door neighbor is constantly smoking pot. And oh, talked about Lord. this before. And and the idea of that <laughs> the fact that all the closets, everything is saturated with this pot with this pot. What does one do? Because he's entitled to well, do what he wants Louise, to do. Louise, I have own. major yeah. problems with that. In one of my buildings, I was carrying on again on Sunday. I mean, major problems with that. I, I how do we? What does that? one do? Just but this is a, but this is what we keep talking. Call about. Like, the cops. I, I think house I rules are actually. Pen. Yeah, I think all of these things are great because they're at the house rules. Honestly, in my opinion, it's not like someone has it on the back of their door and they're constantly looking at it. Like, I don't think it's the Old Testament. I think it's something that when you're purchasing, your attorney is looking at via due diligence. If an incident happens that needs to be, you know, brought up, then it's referred to. So, you know, I think it's okay to add to it. But then in actuality, how do you deal with certain circumstances? Like, I mean, I think like you have to go, it's also the new kid on the block, and he doesn't want to be a buzz killer, quote no, unquote. No, of course not. But but he also wants to have he wants to come home in peace. I mean, I when I bought my co-op last year, I was so excited, and then the person upstairs who I love was making a riot. Like I was, I was, I was like, "You're a little man. There's no way that you sound like." I was like, "There's no way you're running around in heels. You know Maybe got, you are. I don't want to judge." I've but, got two little men in my apartment, but, <laughs> and I, my neighbors downstairs hate that. I mean, I, he he was <laughs> like, "I put my slippers on all the time. There's no way you can do it." I heard it. I find out he has no rugs in his apartment. So obviously, eighty percent rule. But at the same time, I didn't <laughs> want to. I didn't want to cause. I didn't want to say anything. Go upstairs and knock on well, the door. so I Did went you send upstairs. Him an anonymous rug? Actually, Actually, I went upstairs and, and I bought him a bottle of tequila. <laughs> and I was like, everyone loves tequila. Let's drink it and watch a great TV show, Shits Creek. And um, he got a rug. 
amazing. Kill them with kindness. Like, like kill them kill with kindness. the best stuff. Listen, there's something to Buy a vape, I guess is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> well, well bring a cop to his door. I tried to do that. One of my clients was getting thrown out of his condo because of uh, smoking pot, and he didn't want to open his window because <clears throat> he pays a lot of rent. But uh, I've suggested, I was like, maybe you should get a vaporizer if you need it. And he was like, no way. He's like, I'm just going to move. The only problem I have with that odor (laughs) is when I have a listing in a building and I'm trying to show my listing and I'm trying to sell it for a lot of money and you have to walk down the hallway and all you smell is marijuana. I mean, I have a major problem with that. You want to smoke it anywhere else? I could care less. You know, everybody has done it. It's not a big deal. But when I'm trying to sell an apartment, don't do it. The last thing I wanted to point out is, you know, the hallway mess. People come home on rainy days, shoes, boots, umbrellas, coats, everything is dumped in the hallway. Most things in, in, in buildings don't annoy me. But when I come off my elevator and my neighbor next door to me is very messy and I see all the stuff in the hallway, I'm like, please take it inside. I mean, why does it need to be in the hallway? But wait, I don't think that's fair. That yes, it, the hallway is common space, which could be argued that they shouldn't use it for that. But at the same time, unless you have a hallway like my aunt who lives on 78th and Park and there's like two apartments on the floor. And if the other person has a ton of stuff you can't even walk through, it's not in your apartment at least. No, it's not in the apartment, but it's like, you know, it's in the way. It, it's a visual. Is it you know, in your way, visual, visual clutter. Yeah, how many minutes per day? Right, is and it, it so, in And if it's raining things? outside, I you love know? you, but I think. I would also I take advantage of it. It depends they, on who's you know, on your floor and who They leave it out are. all night long, and the next morning you walk out, and the sun is shining, and all the rain gear is still in the hallway. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Governor Andrew Cuomo introduced a bill on Monday to outlaw single-use plastic bags in the state of New York. Okay? I'm down with that. Yeah, I'm down with that. Well, the New York Times. It's a little late. about time, yeah. New York Times reported this in honor of Earth Day, which we just went by. So my question is, how are we going to survive? How are the bodegas going to survive without plastic bags? Come on, guys. Come on. It should be illegal to to manufacture consumer plastics. There's plenty of entrepreneurs and... As we have in this spring world. bottles in front yeah. of us. Right. Well, <laughs> I don't I, I, I don't agree with plastic bags either. I'm just saying what what is we are all so cultured well, well, into all, these white but, bags. But, what but are we gonna do? I, about them? When I go to San well, Francisco or I go to LA and I go to the grocery They're store, I see every single person has a little bag. And I'm like, oh wow. You, you I know what? That cut down on their paper bags, then, then it have cut your down, own. It cut down on their uh, their beach pollution by but like 11 percent. The first year, they, they, yeah. they the first year. It. But not only that, it's going to be a hundred million dollars to the bottom line of our operating budget for New York City. So, the, because they don't have to clean it up. No, or the well, train traffic, the or the train fires. The if you're going to okay. choose it, yeah. And look, it takes time for behavior to change, but. You who, know, does, who does who does I plastic acute, really benefit? I mean, I seriously, it must be like single-digit people that make money off this. I was acutely aware when I was in San Francisco and also France. I, we just got back from Paris and in Normandy, and it's like nobody has plastic. And tote bags are so cute. I mean, people out there should know that. <laughs> like, good I point. Mean, Matt, we're gonna of, say MattCohen.com. Also, Keep half of New York. A lot of tote bags. Let's give someone else a chance. I don't, don't want to generalize to New York women, kind of, yeah. but also like half of New York women have those horrible-looking Louis Vuitton and Goyard totes. Mm-hmm. Use it for your groceries. <laughs> What's your favorite brand going into the that. spring season? For the next, for the first ten callers <laughs> that we get on the show today, Matt's gonna buy everybody a tote bag. Call in first ten. Matt will buy tote bags. All right, do Cohen team. Wait, I'm dying now. We have to leave it there for a minute. We are live from Blast Off Productions here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York. We will continue on the other side of the break. Don't go away.
The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back, and we're talking to Louise Phillips-Forbes, Matthew Cohen, Anna Shagalov, Nile Lundgren, Sean McPeak, Noah Kaplan, Jordan Shea, and Jackie Phillips is still with us. So Mayor Bill de Blasio plans to open a new homeless shelter for 150 single adult men on Manhattan's Billionaires Row, part of the city's initiative to open 90 new shelters over the next five years. According to the New York Post, a former hotel at 158 West 58th Street, the Park Savoy, will be converted into the shelter and open next March. The Central Park South building sits behind 157, a super tall, known for the city's most expensive residential sale ever, a penthouse that sold for $100 million in 2015, and we revealed on this show a couple of weeks ago that that buyer was Michael Dell from the Dell Computer Corporation. So, my question to all of us is, why is putting a homeless shelter next to this building on Billionaire's Row so controversial. Well, they didn't file burn building permits, from what I understand, and they kind of circumvented the community board in order to get it done. So I think that's problem number one and two. Uh, I think it was kind of done underhandedly. I can't believe that more people in that building, who probably are personal friends with de Blasio, um, have not. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they, they must know him in some political circle. But, sure. but de Blasio's base is outside of Manhattan. It's not with Manhattanites. Manhattanites don't particularly like de Blasio that much. It's the other boroughs. So for him, he doesn't actually need the support of Billionaire's Row 
one, to get reelected, as you can clearly tell, and two, to pass things like this. Yeah, but Jordan, hold on, because I think he's been on a mission since he's taken over a few years back that he wants to increase all these you know, low-income housing, uh, you know, homeless shelters. Not that I'm against it. I'm absolutely not. But, you know, you, there are so many other areas that you can pick to put one. Why pick West 57th Street in the middle well, of all of this new billionaire, you know, construction? Right or wrong or indifferent? And all the loitering at the park. That's one way to get that. Well, well I, I just, I really do think it's his middle finger. Uh, pardon. Right. Well, that that's expression. My, that's uh, but I really point. think that's what it is. I to, think you're right. To the significant 1% of the 1%. I don't think it has anything to do with, like, location and convenience. I think he's literally saying. Purposefully. It's, it's very I intentional. Agree. Yeah. And that's my issue with it. And also the safety thing. Right, and he doesn't have to get elected again because this is his second term, right? That he just this is his second, right? Okay. So then he's fine. He then can do whatever. Right. Also, on a non-technical basis, I think it's so interesting that this is controversial because um, people always, at least my clients, always talk about gentrification and how you know they don't. A lot of my clients now don't want to live in areas because it's too gentrified. It's like okay, so this is an area that's super gentrified, and people are saying it's very controversial to put a homeless shelter there as opposed to like let's put it in Harlem because it's not completely gentrified yet. I think that's total BS. Um, I like I live in Chelsea. I love living in Chelsea because, you know, even though I'm on 21st and there's tons of wealthy, you know, residents and housing around me, there's also lots of low to middle income housing in West Chelsea. And on 22nd, there is a homeless shelter. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's not that controversial. This is not like a crazy thing, in my opinion. Well, I think I think the controversy comes in because it's that building 157 on West 57th Street because it was designated Billionaire's Row. You know, all the naysayers, whether you agree with de Blasi or not, are going to say, <clears throat> why did he do that? I think Jordan kind of said it right. It's the middle finger. It's it's This is what it is. So yeah, I think, that's, I think you, in that spirit, it, I think it's okay to, to have a problem with it. And also, there's a ton of tourist traffic that goes through right. there. I don't think we should have... Tons of homeless people and the 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 best corridors in the city we have for generating income for a lot of right. small businesses. Right, but I actually don't think this will ever really happen. I think this is leverage, and I think this is a negotiating. I agree with you. And I think that really what he wants is a concession from Billionaires Row in some regard, maybe higher taxation, maybe something here, something there. Yeah, it this will never happen. Okay, I, I I can see that. I think because of the tourism. It will hurt yeah. industry will in the tourism. area. The tourism will suffer regardless of what he's trying to do to the people who don't live in those buildings anyway. Right. Who cares, right? right. I, I actually don't right. think this will ever happen. All right, moving on. Foreign nationals uh, from around the world are recruited to work in New York City every day, but when they arrive, they often realize that not everyone is eager to welcome them with open arms nor open doors. While many employers from banks and tech companies to museums and universities are eager to recruit top global talent, most of the city's rental management companies would prefer to rent to a pack of college students than a fully employed foreign national with six-figure income. So what is an adult with a great credit history, full-time job, in many cases, a family to do when they arrive in New York City, while foreign nationals likely can't change the perception that renting to foreigners is a bad idea? There are a few ways to troubleshoot the housing market in New York City, whether you are born in Toronto, Paris, or Tokyo. So the message here is foreign nationals have a hard time renting apartments in New York because they don't have U.S. money, they don't have U.S. incomes in some cases, even if they transfer here, there's no credit history. What do these foreign nationals, we, we, we all 
uh, encounter this. I'm in, in the middle of one as we speak. So how do we get around that? They can offer more than a month. They can offer a year in advance. They can offer a couple of years in advance. Um, <clears throat> I'll take a one-year lease with three years in advance. Please. <laughs> um, are, the, are, the, are the managing agents, you know, uh, okay with this? I mean, we can try and be creative, which we do as agents all the time. But are the age of the managing agents? Landlord tenant laws strongly favor the tenants in New York City. So landlords have to be super cautious about who they're letting in. If they let in somebody from Paris who decides not to pay their rent or, or skip skip the bill, there's not much legal recourse that they can have. So extra security, paying the year up front, finding a qualified U.S. based guarantor. A lot of times, uh, some some landlords will look for tri-state, so it's easier to, yep. to kind of go after them, or even you know, New York State, guarantor, like insurance, or something insurance. Like that. Yeah. What's the other one? The co-signers or something? There's another one that just yeah, there popped another, up. Yeah, there like is. That. There are two or three of them actually, which are great solutions. Super, super great. I know solutions. in condominiums because it's private ownership, private landlords versus managing agents. You know, uh, I have gotten away with in a lot of cases having the the foreign national pay uh, six months or a year up front. The owner is okay with that as long as they're showing U.S., New York City, you know, income. Uh, that tends to fly then with the board as well. So you got to be creative with these things, but it's very sticky. I mean, well, it's very sticky. credit is also really useful too. That's sometimes a good way you can kind of get in between that, you know, especially if the market's rough and they don't have to give you the extra security deposit or if they're already paying a broker's fee. Right. The letter of credit from the bank um, is really, really good to have, especially if they end up holding over or damaging the apartment. Right. All right, so getting back to co-op. So you volunteered to serve on the board uh, of your co-op and conflicts arise, legal threats follow. So how much personal risk do you take on when you sit on a co-op board in New York City, or do you? I mean, I've been on my board for 13 years, and, um, you know, it was a big hot topic when the River House, hello, when, aliens, um, aliens, when, when the River House turned down, had a board turned down, and it, and the gentleman was African American, and yes. somebody wrote notes, you know, wife, this, husband, African-American. Didn't that also happen at the Dakota? Uh, I'm not aware of that. However, um, you know, every board should go through a training program of understanding what can and can't be asked. Just like if you're interviewing for a job, people can't say, well, how much money do you make? Mm -hmm. You can't ask that. So I think that it's part of the responsibility of the managing agent to help coach board members of what they can and can't do, um, because it's an opportunity for massive abuse of a powerful of a powerful situation. That's a very and very good point. Yeah. I agree with Louise. I actually am. Um, I have my board nomination tomorrow night with my co-op board. Um, I'm running crossed. for mine. Oh boy, you're joining um, your co-op board, and I'm running for mine. It's and really so, thankless. So the managing agent <laughs> said to me, she was like, "I think you you would be great for this board if you get it." realize that we have a training process of a month where twice a week you need to make yourself available to meet what with the board. What managing agent is that? Um, Solstice. All right, I don't know how this happened, but I'm getting my 30-second cue. We are out of time. That's it for me. That's our show for today. don't know where that TV happened. Continue. Thank you to Jackie Phillips, the author of Reset, for being here today. And my panel, as always, always remember how wonderful life is while you are in the world. Thank you, er uh, Elton and Bernie. Be kind to one another. And for all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us, and I will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. 